From Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. The Fortune 500 is the iconic list of large companies in this country. When you've made the Fortune 500, you know you've made the big time. It's a measure of prestige. It says they're big enough to play with the big boys. Welcome to the Frosty Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts. And of course, as always, you can find us on Podbean. Joined as always by Coach Tony Perenni. Tony, you ready to get underway? Absolutely. New theme, who dish? This is awesome. Yeah. So uh, we have a new new theme music, new intro. You're going to see all new segments. Uh, we're not in preseason anymore, Tony. This is the real deal. Finally, it's taken so long to get here. It seemed that the preseason was never going to end, and now we're finally here. So uh, it was great to watch some football on Thursday night. Uh, it wasn't the uh, the prettiest of games, especially from a fantasy standpoint, but uh, it's just good to see people out there again and playing real meaningful football. And you actually get to see the stars out there on the field, and not these scrubs that aren't even going to make the roster. Yeah, and specifically speaking with, with Aaron Rodgers, you know, they were going to play – Aaron during that that third preseason game in Winnipeg and then with the the field issues you know we saw Aaron Rodgers for the first time and the first couple drives you know they looked a little rough they looked out of sync and you know the announcers were commenting on it and it's like yeah but this is the first time they've played this is essentially preseason ball for the Packers yeah I think it was for the Bears too I don't think they played Trubisky that much in the preseason either um he looked he looked bad he looked really bad um, I know the Packers defense has gotten a lot better. I mean, both these defenses are, are pretty solid. Um, the Bears, I, I can't, can't imagine the Bears are going to drop off too much with how well their defense plays. Uh, but the Packers have, are much improved. Uh, but I, I was looking through the fantasy numbers, and uh, I think Vince, uh, Vince Provenzali with the Chicago defense, that's the only component of that game that actually met their projection or exceeded it. Everybody else was under. So that's Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Jones, who luckily was on my bench, uh, David Montgomery, that's everybody under their projections. So a rough uh, night one if you had somebody in that game. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, yeah, Bears defense getting 10 points there for Gorgonzola. Uh, but, yeah, everybody else everybody else underperforming. And so, you know, as, as Tony alluded to here, we are recording on Saturday morning. So the Thursday game has already gone off. Uh, so those those players are set. Those scores are set. Um, so as we as we proceed, uh, you know, we, that Thursday game has been played. But uh, the Sunday and Monday games still to come. So, Tony, let's get into our first segment. You ready? I'm ready. This is the opening bell presented by the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, Incorporated. Tony, first thing I want to talk about here is. Something that came up a couple times in the preseason, uh, and that is, as we were talking about the draft, and that is that a, a few of our coaches, uh, Peshin bringing it up, I think, first, talked about what the difference was going to be between what ESPN was had their average auction values at and what we were drafting at. Well, I've run the numbers, Tony. Okay, let's hear them. Data is in. Okay, now. There's two different numbers that, that are put out ahead of time. And the one that you and I kept talking about was the average auction value. 
So ESPN, basically, they look at a guy like Saquon Barkley, and they say throughout our leagues, throughout our mock drafts, where how much is Saquon going for? Um, the other number is the ESPN predicted value. So that is when you log into your draft screen, it says Saquon Barkley and a specific number. And that's how you know uh, what ESPN thinks that guy should go for. So we ran them both. Now, we've, we've talked about 25%. We've talked about 30%. You know what the difference was, Tony? What was it? 3.4% that really? our league, over, quote unquote, overspent against the average auction value for players who were valued at $40 or more. When you look at all players overall, uh, it ends up being about uh, $1.7 overspent on average. So, uh, again, a very small number. So, as we look into next year, you know, I would would not call that a significant difference. So, you know, as we look into next year, that average auction value is pretty close. Now, when we look at the ESPN predicted value – and again, that's the one that when you log into your draft screen, that's the number you see there. We overspent on that by 12.3% uh, in those players who are valued at $40 or more. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Did you, did you see some in, in those players that were $40 or more? Did you see some variance in which players were uh, overspent for and which ones were underspent for? So it kind of netted out or did it seem to be fairly consistent throughout? You know, yeah, there, there were a couple uh, anomalies here, and one was uh, Devontae Adams overspent by uh, $16 from the ESPN value uh, predicted and 11.8 from the average from ESPN. So that was... Yeah, he, was um, a, he was a big one. He, $63, I believe, he went for. That was... Um, yeah, I, I think if you look back at, at draft night and, um, you know, looking back, I, I would... I just came away pretty surprised by how things went because we went in there expecting people to really blow up the prices for running backs. And turned out at the end of the day, the running back prices ended up going for about where that predictive index and, uh, you know, average draft values were coming in at. It was the receiver prices that ended up being astronomically higher, which I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, you know, just from a supply and demand standpoint, there were way more receivers in there. Than running backs so just using that expectation we figured that you're going to see the running back costs skyrocket just because of the scarcity and uh i feel like this is becoming an economic discussion now but uh the, <laughs> I, with, i'm happy to get into it <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've had scarcity we've had supply and demand <laughs> but no I, I did not see coming uh, the rising receiver costs um and it looks like quite a few people had that as a game plan. They're like, we're, we're going to go in there. We're going to pay really high for um, the receivers that, that we want. Um, and we're going to try and catch our running backs on, you know, on the discount later. Uh, we'll see how that turns out for people in the end. But it was very surprising on my end. So, Tony, who had the best draft? Well, when I think about this, I think I have to go with one of our rookie coaches, uh, Vince Provenzali, uh, for having never done an auction draft before, uh, really made a statement with his first one. 
Um, he, he comes in, gets Saquon Barkley for under that $70 price. We've talked about that as kind of being the tipping point uh, in our draft preview. I thought they'd go for north of 70. Uh, you thought he'd, he'd stay under. You ended up being right on that one. It was kind of a microcosm of the entire running back market because all the running backs went for a little less than I think we figured that they would. Uh, but getting Saquon for $66 to pair with uh, Nick Chubb for $6, I, that averages out your cost of your starting running backs significantly. You're, you're down to uh, around $35, $40 a piece there. Uh, that's great value. Great value for Vince. Um, already had a great tight end, and then he he was able to have a little more flexibility in the uh, in the budget there to go after Patrick Mahomes to pair with Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb. Um, receivers are a little bit uh, lighter, but he has some pretty good depth at that position. Um, so I think you could definitely see some guys uh, start performing for him later in the year. Uh, he kind of has some flyers out on, on these guys. Uh, you know, somebody's probably going to take off of, of that group that he has with uh, Galladay. Um, he has Sammy Watkins on his bench. He's got some good, solid receivers. None none that are really stars, but I think there's a lot of potential there, too. So I, I, th- I think Vince killed it for having never done an auction draft before. Uh, he came in there. He had a pretty good strategy. Uh, he spent a lot of money early then sat around a little bit and had some money left to spend at the end for some pretty decent players that were slipping through the cracks. Yeah. And, and when we look at his, you know, as uh, coach Dave Pesci and I were riding together as we left the draft, we were talking and, and you know, Dave asked who I thought had the best draft. And, and immediately I, you know, having not looked at any numbers or anything, I was like, you know, Vince had an incredible draft, you know, he has Patrick Mahomes, top-ranked quarterback. He has Sa- Saquon Barkley, top-ranked running back. He had uh, Zach Ertz, second-ranked uh, tight end. Bears defense is going to be in the top five. I mean, you just look down the line, and it was just a bunch of top five guys. Now, there's not an incredible amount of depth, but one of the things I want to talk about with the wide receivers, so he doesn't have any giant names. So he's not going to have a guy go off for 30 points, I don't think. But you're going to get consistent production from these guys. These are guys that catch, that are targeted pretty often. Um, they're not scoring a bunch of touchdowns, but they're getting catches and they're getting short yard stuff. Uh, so, you know, Mahomes, Barkley, Chubb, those guys are going to carry your team throughout the season. And the receivers just need to come in and put in that consistent effort so that you're not having a roller coaster where Saquon goes off, but your receivers do nothing um, and you end up with an okay score. I think, you know, that team is going to live and die by Mahomes and Saquon and everybody else is going to just going to come in, chug away, put in their time, put in their points and and go. And I think that leads to a pretty good season. Yeah, agreed. It's it's risk mitigation at its finest. You have those guys that can go off for you every single week and you can count on high production. But at your receiver position, if you can just count on those guys to just meet their projection every week. Um, that has tremendous value in fantasy football. Like, if you, you want a, a roster full of guys that can do that and then have a couple guys that can uh, create splash numbers for you on any given week. And I think he's got a really good potential to do that because the guys he has, they have a track record of getting a lot of targets, uh, getting some steady production. Maybe uh, maybe see Kenny Galladay go off one of these weeks, but more often he's probably going to be in the 10 to 15 point range. And that's fine with where the rest of your roster is. So um, really impressed by how uh, 
how Vince navigated his, his first auction draft. Um, who is there anybody else that you have on the, on mind who uh, you think really did a great job on the draft day? Yeah, and so um, obviously it's boring if we agree with each other. So I'm going to go with the other coach I was talking to, and that is Coach Dave Peschin. Uh, so Peschin has uh, Christian McCaffrey, who he kept second-ranked uh, running back. He has Ezekiel Elliott, Jarvis Landry, uh, Jared Cook at tight end, who's projected to be the fifth-best tight end in the game, um, and Antonio Brown. Uh, so you have some... Big names that can certainly go off. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to give you steady points. Ezekiel Elliott is going to give you steady points. Antonio Brown can give you giant games, or he can be throwing a hissy fit and give you nothing. But if the Raiders and Antonio Brown can figure out what the heck they're doing, I think this can be a pretty good a pretty good team. Now, quarterback play is going to be suspect here. So right now he has Jameis Winston uh, set to start. He does have Tom Brady. So I think we're going to have to see here, how does Tom Brady do overall? Is this the year, you know, we've been talking about it for years now, but at some point here, Tom Brady has to come back down to reality for how old he is. Um, you know, this is looking like it could be the last season. He's selling his house. He's doing all these other things. Uh, you know, so is this the end of it for Tom Brady? And so what does that look like? Does he come out and he's a superstar again, as we've seen for years and years, or is this the year he starts to decline? Um, so we'll have to see here. Regardless, though, Tom Brady's going to give you solid numbers. So really, this team's going to be relying on Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott, uh, and then I think riding out whatever Antonio Brown does. Yeah, and that's definitely a ton of potential there on on Dave's squad. I mean, if if all those players get through the minefield, it is the NFL season uh, unscathed uh, with no further issues. Uh, from a personal standpoint, um, he's going to be in the thick of things from a championship standpoint. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, Zeke got his contract signed here, uh, as as we expected. Um, almost like we knew what we were talking about there, Derek. Right. <laughs> he's going to be there week one. I knew it all along. Um, and Melvin Gordon's still sitting out there unsigned, as we also expected. Yes. Um, but no, you get the pair of Zeke with McCaffrey. Uh, that's that's a deadly backfield right there. That could be that's that's probably 50 to 60 bankable points every single week right there just between two guys. Um, you know, we've all we've obviously brought up the question marks with with Zeke, you know, having not had any contact in months, what kind of injury risk that runs. Um, but we ought, we can't project injuries going into this. Um, if, if those two stay healthy, Dave's going to be in a lot of games and going to be able to pull out a lot of them. Uh, the obvious massive risk on this roster for Dave. I mean, he went, he went totally stars and scrubs with it. So he has a great starting lineup. His bench is really depleted. Um, and one of those big stars he's counting on is Antonio Brown. And he has been nothing but an issue in Oakland so far. And he hasn't played a single game. And right now we're sitting here wondering mm -hmm. if he's even going to play on Monday. Um, you know, he's, he had a, a very public spat with the general manager a couple days ago, um, calling, calling the GM a couple derogatory terms. Um, and so they come out, say they're suspending him. He, uh, he apologizes. They decide to not suspend him because I'm sure they decide we really need this guy. Um, and then last night, late, 
uh, he puts out a YouTube, uh, like a training video of himself that has a recorded phone call of him and John Gruden that I'm pretty sure John Gruden did not okay. Um, and that was put together, you know, Gruden, Gruden and AB were put on the phone together by Drew Rosenhaus, the agent, who I'm pretty sure Rosenhaus didn't know that that conversation was being recorded either. So there are some very obvious legal ramifications in the state of California with that. Um, right. We saw that with the Clippers a few years back. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is a mess. This is an absolute mess. And they're going to start playing here a little bit. And as, as we've talked about, they're going to be losing games. The team is not that great. Um, and he's acting like this before they've even played a game yet. Uh, it's the, the fact that they're even letting him play on Monday night is astounding to me. This, this just feels like the, the kid that's acting out all day and you take away his toy and then he's good for an hour and you decide to give it back to him. Um, this isn't going to solve anything. This problem isn't going to go away. I think Dave's in a lot of trouble with this star receiver. I don't think AB's going to be there for most of the season. I'm just, just being honest. Yeah, you know, and I think everybody was kind of saying, well, when the games get going, AB is going to get his stuff back together. But here we are in a game week and AB stuff isn't back together. You know, we saw as he left Pittsburgh, he just up and leaves during halftime because he was told he wasn't going to play. I mean, that, that this is who this guy is now. Um, and he had a chance to come in clean slate in Oakland and, and he's doing all the same stuff. And at this point, you know, a third and a fifth round pick seem like an overpay for a guy who can be the best receiver in the league. Uh, it's just, it's really, it's almost sad. It's hard to watch because you you look at a guy with this much talent um, who just with his personality off the field is just destroying these things. You know, did you not think you were going to get fined for skipping out on mandatory practices? Like, did you not think that was coming? And then to have that big explosion and then do all this stuff after the fact, like if he had been suspended for the first week of the season, that pretty much nullifies his uh, guaranteed money out of his contract. The Raiders could have cut him if they suspended him for that first game and really not paid him hardly anything. And now a team picks you up. They don't have to honor that contract. I mean, this is this is crazy. Like, you know, and Gruden said it in the phone call and, of course, A.B., you know, whatever. But, like, play football. Like, that's what you're here to do. I get you have, you know, your people off the field, all that stuff, too. But this is your number one job right now. Uh, You got to do it. It's game week now. Yeah, and you bring up a good point with the contract there because the Raiders are really at a crossroads with this right now. Because right now where they're at, they can suspend him and cut him and – possibly void that entire deal that they, they signed and not have to pay him any of that money that they signed on for, um, which on my end is looking like a better and better deal. You know, you ended up losing a third and fifth round pick at the end of the day. It's a sunk cost. You didn't drop a first round pick into this guy, um, cut your losses and move on. Cause right now he's going to nuke the entire team this season. Like this is going to be a distraction. It's going to linger over them all year. He has, he has very little experience playing with Derek Carr. Um, the second the targets aren't coming his way, which a lot of times uh, they either aren't going to come his way or Carr's going to force them his way when it's not there. Uh, both situations are probably going to be bad. Both are going to probably lead to uh, 
some explosive reactions on the sideline by Antonio Brown. I, this, this is just not going away. This guy is a problem. Uh, it's, he's like he's T.O. on steroids right now. Uh, he's just lost in his own head. Uh, and you really, from a, from a real football standpoint and from a fantasy football standpoint, I don't know how you can trust him. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. I mean, the, the Raiders are going to have to react to this phone recording. Um, and it's interesting because I think the Raiders are playing good cop, bad cop out there. Uh, you know, so Mike Mayock is playing bad cop, John Gruden. Everything John Gruden has said has been, you know, we support the guy. We, you know, you hear it in the phone call. He calls Antonio Brown the most misunderstood guy he's ever met, which is exactly what Antonio Brown keeps saying. So I think that's a really good, uh, a really good tactic going towards him because you do have to have you have to hold him, hold him accountable. Uh, and Mike Mayock is the one doing that. Now, Steve Mariucci was out um, on his show on, on NFL Network talking about during the T.O. situation. Um, so Mariucci's the one when one of the times T.O. got suspended, he levied the suspension and basically it destroyed the relationship between the two of them. So. You know, he, he was commenting that the Raiders were doing this the right way. The coach is the good guy. The GM is the bad guy. So, you know, when, when it comes down to practices and all that, there isn't this resentment. Um, it's, hey, you know, the front office is doing what the front office is doing. But on the field here, we're together. We're one team. The Raiders, I think, are doing everything they possibly can for this guy. And he keeps just spitting in their face. And I don't I don't understand it. It's a giant. You know, if you're Peshton, it's a giant liability. He's currently, as of Saturday morning, sitting on the bench. And if I'm Dave, you know, they play Monday night. So I essentially have to decide here, uh, looking at his his other wide receivers, I pretty much have to know by 4.30 on, on Sunday if I think AB is going to play or not. And I don't know if we're going to have a full decision until Monday at 10.20 p.m. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite a conundrum for him, and that's that's, you know, we talked about that with him on this show. You know, the risk of going stars and scrubs uh, with your roster is now he's in a position where he doesn't really have that much ammo to trade for another top-flight receiver. Um, so your receivers kind of are who they are, unless you want to part with one of your running backs. So um, it'd be interesting to see how Dave navigates this minefield throughout the season because I, I don't think it's going to get any easier to predict uh, moving forward. So still in our opening bell segment, Tony, who do you think had the most questionable draft? I'm going to go with Kevin Hulick on that one. Um, he seemed to take the Tim's approach from last season where he, he was sitting back uh, waiting to spend money and waiting, waiting, waiting. And by the time he finally started spending money, um, I think he's probably overpaid for a couple guys. And the, the talent pool was very depleted by the time he actually started spending money. So I, I've, I've seen the ESPN projections. They have that new feature on the app now where they project the final standings. They have him in dead last. Uh, I'm, I'm, going to agree with him there. I think he has an uphill climb, uh, climbing out of that cellar right now. He's got Mark Ingram as his, as his RB two, uh, obviously has Deandre Hopkins who he kept, uh, actually both of his receivers are, are keepers for him. I think DJ Moore has a lot of good potential there too, but we've already been confronted with a cam injury. So, uh, got to see where he's at physically going into week one and the first month of the season to determine whether DJ Moore is going to be, uh, 
you know, going to really pan out for him. Ended up having to overpay for Evan Ingram quite a bit as a uh, Tyler Kerr was a, uh, really on his heels after him trying to get that second high price tight end. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Kevin here. I, th- I think he's really gonna, we're going to, we're going to really find out what he's made of from a, a managing standpoint this year. See if he can manage this roster. He might have to swing a deal or two in there to uh, beef up the star power in his roster a little bit. Uh, but I think he's got a little bit of an uphill climb. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on on Kevin and kind of during draft day, you know, I think you and I were looking at each other a couple of times like what's he what's he doing? He's not he's not going after anybody. Um, and we saw how it worked for Tim last year. It didn't didn't seem to work too well. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the other coach in that tight end battle and I'm going to go with Tyler Kerr. Uh, you know, one because of the the tight end. He already had Vance McDonald for 18, which we talked about and then was going after Ingram uh, for <laughs> Almost 20, almost had $40 in tight ends for a guy who said he wasn't going to take any tight ends. But as we look at his roster, you know, you got Aaron Rodgers up there who who can who, – I'm not going to question Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's a really, really, really good quarterback who's going to have a good defense. Todd Gurley, great. Sony Michelle, okay. Um, Vance McDonald, they're predicting 10th, 10th ranked tight end. Uh, and then outside of that, it gets a little rough. Uh, Kareem Hunt is going to come back off suspension for the back quarter of the season. So if he's able to make a playoff run, great. Maybe that keeps him out of the toilet bowl. Uh, Baker Mayfield is a big question mark. Again, you have Aaron Rodgers up there, so there's not a whole lot of pressure on Baker. But outside of that, it's a lot of guys who are ranked 20, 30s, you know, guys that aren't aren't real solid. Uh, you know, this team is going to be relying on essentially two guys, Aaron Rodgers and Todd Gurley. And as we've talked about some of these other rosters, I just, I don't think it's enough. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, he, he kind of overspent for two quarterbacks with, with Rodgers and Baker. So I think he's going to have a weekly decision out there as to whether to play one or the other, um, you know, overpaid a quarterback, overpaid a tight end. Uh, you see what that does to the rest of your roster from a trickle down effect. So, um, you know, he's, he's been known for having unorthodox draft tactics and it, it stayed true this year. So, uh, we'll see if he has some method to his madness here. Uh, if, if some of these younger guys get hot, I'm sure he has a chance to uh, peak a little bit, but, uh, just looking at the roster on paper, uh, it's a little bit underwhelming. So I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. Um, you know, it's looking around the league. It's looking, uh, another big story, I think, is um, you see the disparity in roster construction. Um, you know, Kalen King, we'll get into the trades here in a little bit, but he, he built his team uh, almost entirely out of wide receivers. And then on the flip side, uh, myself and uh, Charlie Thurber both built our rosters almost entirely out of running backs. I, I ran the numbers shortly after the draft. Uh, 30% of the drafted running backs were on either mine or Charlie's roster after, after that draft. Wow. Uh, I had seven of them. He had eight of them. Um, and you know, my, my reasoning for doing that is, you know, running backs are currency in fantasy football. They have the most trade value. They're always the ones that late in the season uh, running backs get injured more often than any other player. They end up in timeshares more often than any other player and uh, come by weeks, come late in the season. They're usually the ones that people are out there 
uh, looking for in the waiver wire and there's none to be found. You know, it's, it's a common theme I've heard every single year I've played fantasy football, like the waiver wire is trash for running backs. So from a roster construction standpoint, I wanted to go out, grab quite a few of those to kind of make that market come to me. If any, if anybody, uh, you know, is out there looking for running backs, then there's deals to be made. Uh, and from, it gives me protection as well from an injury standpoint, uh, if, or even, you know, just kind of hedging. If, if some of these bets, you know, Aaron Jones, I was, I'm a big, big Aaron Jones fan. I was really high on him coming into the season. Uh, he had very limited touches in that first game. I don't know if it's just because the Bears defense is lethal and they just decided we're not going to even try to run the ball that much. Uh, be interesting to see how that pans out. But, you know, if he ends up being not used by this coaching staff too, then he's going to end up being a dud of a keeper for me. And by getting a bunch of running backs, I'd be able to hedge there. So it's just interesting to look around the league to see how different people build their rosters. Um, you know, some are very running back heavy. Some are very receiver heavy. Some are tight end heavy. It's, it's uh, just, just interesting to see all the different looks out there. Yeah, it is. And you touched on a really important point, and that is that running backs – and this is, I think it's funny because in the league, in the real league, running backs are undervalued, right? And so as the Zeke and Gordon stuff has been talked about, uh, you know, and, and of course, Jerry Jones walking back, all the stuff he said, that was all uh, negotiation tactic to try to undervalue him in the moment. And then, of course, said, we need this guy and all that. It's great. But in general, we're seeing that that running backs are, are generally undervalued because we have running back by committee and all these other things. And as we see a guy like Le'Veon Bell doesn't play, James Conner comes out and does just fine. But in fantasy, they still are king. And it, it leads to a very difficult, you know, if you're if you're a coach sitting back drafting, it's very difficult because is this team going to rely on one guy? Is it going to be running back by committee? Who's going to play on third down? Who's going to play at the goal line? And unless you have a real good grasp of those things, and those things change week to week, you know, it's it's hard to pick up these guys. So because they are so valuable for fantasy football and i'm curious to see as we go forward if espn starts to tweak how many points these running backs are going to be worth um, especially if you get a running back catching balls out of the backfield you know and that's why these guys are still just so worth so so many points uh, but it, it's kind of a uh you know a, almost a conflict between real football and fantasy football with these running back positions yeah, you can definitely see why it pisses off the running backs in the league so much. You know, they're out there seeing their fantasy stats and seeing how valuable they are from a you know social media standpoint to everybody. But when it comes to contract time, they can't get the deals that they think they're worth. So, um, yeah, you definitely got to feel for them. But you can also see both sides of that track and see, um, you know, I, I can definitely see why teams aren't paying them big money too. There's just so much injury risk there. Uh, all right, you ready to talk some trades? I'm ready to talk some trades, Tony. So we had some uh, early trades going on here. So we had, obviously, the trade before the draft, which we've talked about. But uh, we have some trades now going on, and you're involved, Tony. So oh, yeah. you and Vince, Gorgonzola, making some trades. So you traded to Vince, Darius Geis, and George Kittle. For Robbie Anderson and Zach Ertz. So Tony, what uh, what prompted this trade? 
Uh, for for me, it was simply I was the one who initiated the trade con- trade discussions on this one. For me, it was simply a matter of me wanting to stack the points with uh, Wentz and Ertz. I already had Dallas Goddard as a backup, so I already had my hedge in place there. So um, I don't think there's a big, big disparity between George Kittle and Zach Ertz from a talent standpoint. Um, honestly, the, the opportunity uh, might be there even more for Kittle a little more just because he doesn't have as much competition for targets there. But I'm comfortable with the way the Eagles use Ertz, and I know that uh, – if Ertz happens to go down, I have Goddard right behind him, who is going to be used uh, the exact same way, and who's probably just as talented as Ertz is. So, I, I you look, sit back and look at this trade. Uh, you know, I sent a running back his way. He was a little lighter on the running back front, and I was a little lighter on the receiver front, as I mentioned previously. So, I got Robbie Anderson coming my way. It gives me another bench presence there that I could possibly uh, play at some point. Uh, looking back, I'm not sure that you can really define a winner or loser here. I guess I'll leave that one up to you. Um, but to me, it just seems like a, a complete exchange of assets that are just, uh, you know, preference on both sides, really. Yeah, and Robbie Anderson's the interesting one here because he sat on my roster for a lot of the year last year and really didn't do much. But Sam Darnold now coming into his second year, the Jets are going to get better with Le'Veon Bell. So it'll be interesting to see how exactly they use Robbie Anderson. Uh, Darius Geis, you know, who knows? He's coming off that ACL injury in Washington, a team who's going to be rebuilding. So I think I think you're right here. This really comes down to Ertz for Kittle. Uh, I just I'm always nervous to have too many assets on one side. If the if Carson Wentz has a bad game, you have a bad game, uh, you know, with, because he, Ertz isn't going to be getting the throws if Wentz is, ha- is down. So. That's the only reason I think Vince wins this trade uh, is is because of that. But honestly, this may be the closest of the trades we've seen just because if we call those two tight ends essentially equal, then it becomes Darius Geis for Robbie Anderson and the jury's out on both players. So it kind of depends on which lens you're looking at this trade through, if it's Kittle for Ertz or Geis for Anderson. Um, but I, yeah, time will tell, but I, I'm going to give the nod to Vince on this one. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, that's definitely the risky run with the stacking, uh, the stacking procedure there. But, you know, just looking, looking at the Eagles schedule, uh, this year, they, they don't have a real tough schedule, really the entire slate. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a big year for Wentz as long as they can keep him upright. They're still boasting one of the top offensive lines in the league. Um, I'm, I'm betting on him staying healthy this year. I'm betting on, uh, you know, them producing, being on the field, taking advantage of that weaker schedule. You know, they're not not facing a lot of great defenses in that division outside of Dallas, who's pretty solid. But, you know, Washington, the Giants, they don't play defense anymore. Um, I like the opportunity, and I was willing to take on that risk. So, a guy who has been hit by the injury bug for years says, I'm banking on Wentz staying healthy. It's like we'll I'm see if it pans state, out. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we had another trade, Tony. This one between Groover and Kalen King. So Steve gets Juju Smith-Schuster, Larry Fitzgerald, and D.D. Westbrook. 
Kalen receives Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman, and Damian Williams. Now, ESPN looks at this trade and starts boosting up Kalen and knocks Steve down. But, Tony, do you think that's appropriate? Who won this trade? I have the exact opposite reaction to ESPN on this one. I think I think Steve definitely won this trade. Um, for, for Kalen to give up a star player like Juju Smith-Huster and to not not even receive one of Steve's top three running backs back, I think is uh, really questionable on his part. Uh, not to mention, I mean, he makes this deal on the morning that LaShawn McCoy signs with the Chiefs. So I think from his perspective, he's looking to – put both those chiefs running backs there to kind of hedge, um, hedge himself from a point standpoint. But um, I mean, do you go into the season really feeling super confident about either of those guys? Uh, you know, I'm not a Damian Williams guy. I've, you know, coaching term out there is just a guy. I think Damian Williams is like the definition of just a guy. And I think if you look at the actions of the Kansas city chiefs all off season, I think they're telling you that they think he's just a guy too. They went and drafted another running back in a mid round, plug in and compete with him. Um, and then, you know, LaShawn McCoy wasn't even available 24 hours and they already signed him. So I don't think you do that. If you go, if you're going into the season, trusting Damian Williams, now that tells me they don't trust him. Uh, they probably are going in wanting to ride LaShawn McCoy. Uh, he's 31 years old. He is not the LaShawn McCoy that Andy Reed had back in Philadelphia. This guy is routinely on the injury report. Um, you know, it's, it's a good hedge for Kalen to have both those guys out there. But at the end of the day, wouldn't you rather have uh, Joe Mixon or um, Dalvin Cook, somebody you know who's going to be a bell cow for their team going forward? It's it's it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but he had a definite definite need for a running back, and I think you know that that spurred him on to make, make this deal. Yeah. This one's a little bit mind boggling to me. I mean, the one thing you didn't talk about Josh Gordon, I mean, the guy can't play a full season. He gets himself in trouble. Do we think this is the year that he, I mean, he's not going to have his 100th or 15,000th, uh, you know, substance abuse issue. Julian Edelman, a great receiver. Nothing against Julian Edelman. Uh, slot guys always scare me because they get hurt. Uh, but Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy you build your team around. Larry Fitzgerald, you know, we're going to see how this whole air raid offense works, but I can guarantee you Larry Fitzgerald's going to get more attempts his way. Uh, he's going to catch more balls than he did last year. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, you know, whatever. But I'm I'm with you. This one did not make sense to me. Uh, I actually was watching to see if it would be accepted by the league because this does seem, I'm not going to say egregiously uh, lopsided, but definitely is lopsided. And I, I wouldn't have been surprised if, if a coach voted to decline this trade. You're essentially handing Steve Juju Smith-Schuster for Josh Gordon. And that's that's kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it's, it's I, I'm not sure why they felt the need to add two other receivers in there if you're giving up Juju. Uh, you know, you, that's basically three number one receivers going to Steve. Uh, the, uh, you know, you have various outlooks on those three different offenses, but they're probably all going to be number one receivers in their offense. Uh, and you get, you know, 
two question marks back, in my opinion, with Damian Williams and Josh Gordon. Gordon at this point is a scratch off ticket. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he has much trade value out there. Uh, you're, you're just banking on him finally putting it together and he's never once shown the ability to do it. So until I actually see him able to do it, I'm not banking on the talent. So, um, yeah, this was definitely a head scratcher. Um, but ESPN liked it. Yeah. And I, I think cause ESPN has to give Josh Gordon as if he's going to play all the games he's eligible to play, but you know, the minute he's out, cause essentially if, a, if you have a three player for three player trade, each player kind of is a one-on-one. I think we'd be talking about it a little differently. If Kalen received three guys and Steve receives two, cause you're like, well, you're, you're adding depth and all that stuff. You know, I don't think Larry Fitzgerald's going to light anything up by any means. Um, but you know, if you say Fitzgerald for Edelman, Williams for Westbrook, it's it's Schuster for Gordon, and nobody takes that if you look at these individually. Um, so yeah, yeah, a little yeah. a little mind boggling. We'll see how it goes, but I, I almost feel like it was the uh, the Hulick Groover trade from last year. You know, Saquon for Hunt, and you're just like, what? Yeah, yes, yeah. Steve is uh, Steve is locked and loaded again. Um, so. So Derek, I, I, I want to I talk to the people out there about about one of our sponsors. Um, yeah. do, do, do you find yourself bummed out or depressed often? Is your self-confidence lacking on a day-to-day basis? It does. Well, it might be because that nose on your face is just entirely too big or misshapen, <laughs> or perhaps it obstructs your breathing. Our friends at Tom's Rhinoplasty are the premier facial reconstruction doctors in the state of Colorado, and they can fix that problem right up for you, Derek. (laughs) Dr. Tom, in particular, has over 35 years of experience, so you know the job's going to get done right. And at Tom's, you won't be charged an arm and a leg, and you'll be treated like family the second you walk in. Uh, Derek, I, I had a friend that had the largest schnauzer on his face that you'll ever see, and I recommended to him, you go visit Dr. Tom today. And he went there. He said it was one of the best decisions of his life. Uh, the staff at Tom's couldn't have been nicer to him. And the quality of work was just unmatched. He was extremely pleased with how it came out. My friend is now actually a nose model for various magazines after the procedure. Uh, this could and should be you listeners out there as well. Uh, head on down to Tom's Rhinoplasty for your free consultation. Always a free consultation with Tom. And mention that you heard about it here on the Frosty Podcast to receive 10% off your surgery. That's uh, that's Tom's Rhinoplasty. We fix faces right. And so that'll end the opening bell segment. Now, to our listeners, the opening bell segment is where we're going to really talk about what went on in the games last week. It'll be a nice quick recap. Uh, obviously, week one, things are running a little bit different. Uh, so we did draft recaps and some other things there. Uh, but opening bell segment is where you're going to hear about how your team did, how the other teams in the league did, and any uh, any reaction to league news. Uh, so, again, that was our opening bell segment. Definitely have some other big stuff in store for uh, for future segments, too. We, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to we're going to have a fancy blue chip of the week. Uh, we're going to have a junk bond of the week. It's going to be our, our poorest fantasy performer of the week. Um, you know, maybe, maybe talk about that at the coach level and at the fantasy player level, you know, who's really stinking it up out there on the field. Um, but we just need some football first to get there. So come next week, uh, you're going to see some more segments coming. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody involved. 
Yeah, and Tony, a lot of these uh, a lot of these segments are, you know, uh, in reference to business and finance terms. Of course, being the Fortune 500 league, uh, that's we're we're getting excited with all of our all of our business references coming from uh, you know two guys with an MBA. Exactly. I feel I feel like uh, paying for that degree disqualifies us to, to you know throw some segments out there. Absolutely. So uh, next up, though, the Medical Minute presented by Sacred Heart Hospital, Wellness through Diversity, Sacred Heart Hospital. Tony, we got a lot of injuries out there this week. Uh, a lot of them are coming out, coming through from the preseason. Uh, but let's just start right down the list here. Uh, so for Tim Taft's team, A.J. Green still listed as out this week with the ankle injury. Uh, we're going to have to kind of see week by week how he goes. Uh, Kalen King is uh, has Mike Badley kicker questionable with a groin injury, looking like he's probably not going to be playing. And of course, Melvin Gordon out with the contract dispute. Tyler Kerr, Kareem Hunt is out with the suspension. Uh, Dave Peschen losing bench wide receiver Kiki Cootie uh, questionable with an ankle. Uh, he's touch and go, but he did practice. Charlie Thurber. Uh, Mike Evans has the quad injury from preseason, but is expected to play barring a rapid setback. Tony Robbie, Robbie Anderson from your team is questionable with a calf injury, but is expected to play for Joe Reedy's team. Golden Tate out with a suspension. And finally, Steve Groover's team, Stefan Diggs questionable with a hamstring and will be a game time decision. Uh, we talked about it, Tony. There haven't been a whole lot of major injuries to major star players on the offensive side. Uh, so I don't think any real shockers here. Any reaction? Uh, yeah, it doesn't sound like we have a lot of people out here. You know, the only real questionable decision we're going to have going into uh, game weekend is for Steve on the Stefan Diggs front. You know, you never like having the game time decision designation. But uh, luckily for Steve, he just picked up three receivers. So uh, if he doesn't feel confident in Diggs going out there and playing through it, he can all obviously plug Westbrook or Fitzgerald in there. Um probably get some decent production out of that. You know, Jacksonville's playing Kansas City this year who can't cover a soul. Um, and I, I definitely think that Cliff Kingsbury offense in Arizona is going to come out slinging week one. I think they've been hiding some stuff. Uh, I don't know if it's going to feel like Chip Kelly's first game in, in Philly did with that new offense, but, you know, the Detroit defense isn't going to be expecting um, – it doesn't really know what to expect from a defense standpoint. So – if they can keep Murray upright for four quarters, I, I think you could see some fantasy points go up in that Arizona game. Um, I, I'm not convinced it's going to stay like that for Arizona all season or even through the end of the first month, but uh, they could come up with a few good weeks initially. Uh, as far as the out guys go, we got Mike Badgley, uh, kicker or Kalen's team. Probably just drop him, I would, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I yeah. think you just you're gonna <laughs> probably, not gonna go into, guy in. probably not going to go into game week worrying about whether your kicker's going to play. Um, but outside of that, A.J. Green, we know, is still a little banged up. Uh, last I heard, it sounded like he was progressing pretty nicely. It sounds like they're targeting end of the month to try and get him back in there. But this is a guy who's had a lot of injury concerns through the years now, and they're just kind of compounding at this point. So uh, not a stretch to suggest that this could be something that could linger all year for him. But it sounds like, for the most part, uh, these rosters outside of suspensions are pretty good to go for Sunday. Yeah. And not a whole lot of time here. As like I said, we're recording on Saturday morning. 
you know, not a whole lot of time to to have these weird practice injuries. So roster should be good to go. Uh, and I always prefer that. I, I hate when when guys lose. And, and obviously you've you've had this. I've had this. You know, w- when you have these rosters that we've talked about get hampered by injuries. Uh, you know, it's almost like it's, I hate playing during bye weeks. You know, you're not playing with a full roster. Obviously, it's part of the game and it is what it is. But uh, I, I enjoy these weeks where there aren't many injuries and not many injuries to big name guys. So you get to see what the teams can really do uh, when they're fully stocked. Yeah, if we, if we can keep this uh, medical minute to be, uh, you know, about five minutes each week, that'd be ideal like this. But I'm sure it's not going to stay like that. Uh, that's this is not the way football goes. Uh, we'll see how fast players start dropping at some point. But it's good news for week one that uh, pretty much all these fancy rosters are going to be fully stocked. Yep. So that was the medical minute presented by Sacred Heart Hospital. Sacred Heart Hospital wellness through diversity and for our final segment we have the forecast presented by goliath national bank the world leader in credit and banking goliath national bank tony i'm really excited to bring on our our first guest picker of the year a former coach in our league in the 2016 season finished eight four and one made the playoffs uh coach of team lick the snitch Laura Frost. Laura, welcome to the Frosty Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. As you can tell, Laura, a bit under the weather uh, with her with her very raspy voice. That's not natural. Um, Team Frost is struggling over here. Uh, <laughs> down with the sickness, as Disturbed once said. I just thought she was out out whooping it up a little bit for week one coming up. This just sounds like she's hoarse on my end. <laughs> I'm ready for week one. Don't worry. <laughs> So let's get right into it here. Uh, first game that we're going to talk about here is Tony, your Nooks and Fannies up against Charlie Thurber's Capital Expenditures. Uh, now, Thurber given 7.2 points as the underdog. Uh, Laura, who do you think wins this game? You know what? On this one, I really think Tony's going to come through with the win on this. Um, as much as I enjoy, you know, capital expenditures, I really feel like he's got some of the wrong people on the bench. And I think that that's going to, uh, you know, give Tony the lead on this one. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think uh, I think Tony pulls this one out. Uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a little closer than the seven point spread. Um, so if this were Vegas, I would uh, I would take the points. But in this case, I do think uh, you know we're just we're just picking winners and losers here. So I do think uh, you know Carson Wentz comes out has a great game. You know the Zachers thing we talked about earlier. Um, I, I I think Tony Tony takes this. I agree. Yeah, definitely won't be definitely won't be picking on my end, but uh, you know mentioned earlier, half the running backs in the league are pretty much on both of our rosters. So it's going to come down to our running backs. He kind of got a rough start on Thursday night with a David Montgomery. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good battle to the end though. I'm looking forward to going against Charlie, his first matchup in our league. Yeah. Uh, going on to the next game here, we have coach Tyler Kerr's Cyberdyne systems versus Joe Reedy's corporate free agent team. Uh, Joe, a pretty heavy favorite favorite here, 122 to 110. Uh, Laura, who wins this game? 
You know, I really think Joe Reedy's going to get this one. He's got some good people on his team. I think Najoku from Cleveland's going to be um, scoring some pretty good points for him. I know he also has um, Le'Veon Bell, and he also has um, Allen on his team. So I think this is going to be an easy one for Joe to win. Yeah, I'm with you here, too. I think uh, I think Joe wins this game. Uh, I think it's going to be still pretty lopsided. We saw that, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers didn't have the game that that ESPN was projecting him to have. I think Todd Gurley and Sonny Michelle is going to put up good numbers. Um, but ultimately, I think Dak Prescott's going to be coming in real excited to have Zeke back. Uh, and, and obviously, Le'Veon Bell trying to show up for the new team. So I, I agree with you. I think I think Reedy takes takes this one. Uh, probably uh, I don't know if he's gonna really take it by as many points as they're giving him with with the twelve point four, but I could see it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Reedy by by more than twelve. Next, yeah, it's, oh, it's, Tony, it's a, it's a clean. It's, yeah, I get the pick on this one. It's it's a clean sweep on my end too. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Joe. Joe's roster not quite as star studded as it was last year, but still a very solid roster, top to bottom. Uh, Tyler's definitely has some question marks in there, but I I think this is gonna be probably one of our closer matchups of the week. Um, you know, Tyler's got some talent on that team. Um, We've ripped his bench quite a bit, but for the guys that are actually going to be playing on Sunday, I think he's got some real talent play, talent there. Um, Aaron Rodgers did him no favors on Thursday night, so he's kind of got to dig himself out of a little bit of a hole there to start with, and I think that could be enough to give Joe the edge here. I'm going to go with Joe. Next game up here, we got Vince Gorgonzola, rookie in the league. We talked about his great roster versus Tim Taft's Green Dragon. Uh, Vince is going to be the favorite here by 12.6. Laura, who wins this game? So, you know, I looked at this one, and I really think this one is going to go to Vince. And the reason is is because I think Mahomes is going to do better than they think he is, and I think Chubb is going to do great. He just has a really strong roster, and I think he's going to come through with the win on this one. Yeah, I I think i got to agree with you again here, as much as it pains me to say it. I think, you know, Vince uh, – I, we talked about it. He has the best, if not among the best rosters. Tim, I think, is improved from last year. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It, I think it depends if, if Deshaun Watson can come out and have a really, really, really good game. Uh, David Johnson, Tim spent a lot of money for him. Uh, I think he could show up. You know what? I'm, I'm actually going to flip. Mid-prediction, I'm going to flip. I'm going to take Tim on this one. I think Tim wins this. Tony, what do you think? Uh, this one is uh, about as close to a toss-up as any in our league will be for this week. Um, you know, doing this recording on Saturday obviously um, skews things a little bit because we've already had a Devontae Adams game go out there, and we know that he did meet his projection. Um, that might be enough to swing things in Vince's favor there because at the beginning of the week, I uh, I might have given the slight nod to, to Tim just based on some matchups in there, you know. Uh, Vince has Saquon Barkley going against that Dallas defense, which is extremely tough. Uh, as I mentioned, Arizona, uh, we don't really know what to expect from their offense, but I expect them to come out slinging it, and that could be some very good fantasy points for David Johnson right out of the gate, especially against the Detroit defense is fairly underwhelming. Um, but, you know, having the gift of hindsight on that Thursday night performance right now, I'm going to give the slight edge to Vince in his – Fortune 500 league debut. I think he squeaks out a win against him. 
Uh, next up here, and I, and I gotta I gotta say something here. Everybody has changed their team name except Kevin Hulick, who still is going off the pornography theme and is the Youngstown 69ers. Uh, so just a poor showing here from Kevin Hulick. You know, questioning, are you all in or are you all out, Kevin? But uh, you know, so we got Kevin going up against Dave. Uh, this is going to be a close one. ESPN is projecting Dave, the favorite 124 to 119, less than a five point spread. Laura, who wins this game? You know, I'm going to go against ESPN on this one and I'm going to go with Kevin. Um, I, I just, I've got a good feeling about his team right now. I know that, you know, on Dave's team, he has some good names out there. He has um, Carson who is projected to do good this week. He's got Jarvis Landry. I just feel like he's relying too much on people that some of the teams have more people to throw to than they originally would have. So I'm going to go with Kevin on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go opposite of you here again. I think I'm, I'm going to go with Dave. I think, you know, I, I brought up uh, with the last pick that Dak Prescott's going to be coming out with something to prove Ezekiel Elliott, even more so um, everybody's healthy. So we talk about, you know, it's, it's boomer bust for Dave this year uh, based on who can stay healthy the Antonio Brown thing is obviously a big question mark, but, you know, even if he sits on the bench, you know, I think Dave's still going to be okay. Uh, so I think McCaffrey and Zeke show up uh, and and can take the win over Kevin. Tony? I think this is one's going to be a close one. I think you're going to see, you know, Dave has a lot of Raiders on his roster, and Kevin has the running back for the Raiders, Josh Jacobs. So... <clears throat> It's going to come down to what kind of game that is that could really decide the week. Uh, obviously, McCaffrey and Zeke are probably going to get theirs, and that could be, you know, that might be a big enough hole that Kevin can't climb out of there. But the, the uncertainty with Antonio Brown definitely muddles the picture a little bit. I'm, I am going to go with Dave. I think it's going to be a close matchup because I'm not sure he can trust Antonio Brown in that starting lineup. And those receivers he has backing him up are, you know, really toss-ups. You know, Jarvis Landry, um, and I'm, I'm not sure who he's plugging in there uh, as his second receiver. He's probably going to go up to game time on that one if AB's not available. I think he's got enough with those two stars to squeak out a victory here, but I expect it to be close. But I will go with Dave. All right, and then last game, our marquee matchup of the week, a – a rematch of our championship game last year. We have Kalen King's prestige worldwide going up against Steve Groover's team Puppin' Suds. ESPN predict, predicting a nail biter here. Uh, only a 1.6 point spread, giving the nod slightly to team Groover. Laura, who wins this game? All right. So when I looked into this, you know, it's hard for me to take personal feelings out of this one. Um, you know, the year that I was in the league, I was here when Steve, you know, just let his team go terribly wrong. And so he could pick up people and just crush it the next year. And, you know, I took that kind of personal. And um, I just want to throw out a quick fuck you, Steve, because you are the reason we have this ACT thing now. So I hope that you're happy with that. So because of that. I'm going to go with Kalen King. And the main reason for that is that, you know, fuck you, Steve, number one. And number two, he already left 13 points sitting on his bench. That's not a great start to this uh, 
you know, big championship battle here. <laughs> Lord coming out strong. Love it. Uh, <laughs> I I am also going to go with with Kalen King here. I think um, he's going to have a really strong showing. Obviously, we've talked about Groover's team is is not as stacked as last year. Obviously, the Juju Smith Schuster trade uh, is going to be a big one. Stephon Diggs, if he's healthy, can make a big splash. Uh, but ultimately, I think I think Kalen King pulls it out. I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it's going to come down uh, to the Monday night games uh, with with the Saints defense is going to be the Monday night game. And I think you know all eyes are going to be on the TV to see if the Saints are going to do well enough to pull Kalen ahead of Steve. Uh, it, it's going to be a great a great game. Tony, what do you think? Uh, what an exciting start to the season, you know, from a narrative street standpoint. We got championship rematch here. They just did a big trade with each other just a week ago. Um, so those players are going to get to square off against their former team right out of the gate. This is really exciting. I'm going to go with the champ. I think he extends his winning streak at least one more week over Kalen. Um, Kalen's got those Kansas City Chief running backs. I'm not sure which one he plans on starting. I'm not sure how quickly they're going to get LaShawn McCoy up to speed there. And they're facing a Jacksonville defense that, you know, they've, they've had their moments, but when they're at their best, they are stout. Uh, that, that could limit things a little bit. Uh, Julio Jones, we don't really know. I, we obviously expect him to play. There's been some contract rumblings there. Uh, but we don't know how much work he's gotten in with the first-team offense. Doubt it'll really affect things too much. He's going to get his volume, but there are some new pieces going into effect here. I think Juju Smith-Schuster eats quite a bit in that uh, that game against the Patriots. The Patriots are not well-known for covering people in the past couple years, uh, and that Pittsburgh offense could sling it around. I'm going to give Steve the slight nod. Uh, I, I think he wins again over Kalen here. The champ stays undefeated, says Tony Perenni. Uh, so that's it for our games. Thank you, Laura, for joining us as our Celebrity Picker of the Week. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. So that's going to wrap up our first week of the regular season for the Frosty Podcast. Uh, we look forward to the games on Sunday. We look forward to the games on Monday. Now, the goal is going to be to record on Tuesdays and hopefully get the get the uh, podcast up on Wednesdays. Obviously, uh, schedules get tricky, so we'll do our best here. But, uh, Tony, week one, here it is. Finally. It's about time. We're all ready to go. I'm ready to see my team in action. It's been hypothetical for too long. Let's get it going. So join us next time on the Frosty Podcast. We're going to review week one, everything that happened, winners, losers, uh, and we're going to look forward to week two. We're going to have another celebrity guest picker. Uh, to help us pick these games. For Tony Perenni, I'm Derek Frost. On behalf of Steel Valley Media, this is the Frosty Podcast. Thank you for listening.